Welcome one and all to episode 19 of the RevCast. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm Pastor Bree. And I have settled on episode. I'm glad you finally resolved this big uh, decision yes. that's been looming over you. Yes. Until next week when it's uh, edition the 20th 20. edition. Of... <laughs> now I think we got to go with episode. That makes more sense to me. Uh, so uh, how are things going? They're going all right. Yeah? Yeah. We survived the time change. We did. Barely. Um, <laughs> it was really weird. So Sunday after uh, church, like I was fine getting up, didn't feel it, didn't didn't feel like anything. Ate lunch, normal time, and then kind of just vegged out on the couch for a bit. And it was uh, like, looked up at the clock above the TV and it was like 20 to 4. And I'm like, why am I so hungry? Why do I want dinner right now? I want to go start cooking dinner. And uh, and I'm like, but it's only four o'clock. I can't do that yet. And then and then I realize, oh, I didn't set that clock ahead. Yeah. It was actually twenty to five, and I should have been starting dinner ten minutes earlier. And yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, survived it on the morning of. It was not uh, was not. Oh, there we go. It was not late for church. Uh, any of that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, that was a rough afternoon. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the morning was okay. Morning's always, I think, okay, because you're up and you're moving and you're doing church stuff, and then it hit me after church as we're standing around talking in the narthex, and I'm like, I should not be yawning this much. This is really <laughs> rude, uh, but it uh, it caught up to me uh, during, that, uh, during that time after the service when the adrenaline sort of lets you go and... Uh, and you settle down into just how exhausted you are. Yeah. Hey, so uh, a bit of a uh, bit of good news for your folks uh, from. Well, and I, I mean, it, good exciting news for news. my folks. No, exciting news for for folks who are listening. Oh, okay. Um, who who you know care about stuff going on in our family, or whatever. Um, it's it's a pretty big deal. So the the final grades for marking period three came out today. Mm-hmm. Um. They have an app now that like you can see grades in real time. It's really weird. Like when I was a kid, I didn't know if I was, I didn't know I was truly failing a class until like a week before the end of the marking period. But anyway, uh, Michaela set a goal for herself of uh, getting straight A's, four That's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the first marking period, uh, she got a three point eight five. I think there was like one B plus in mm-hmm. amidst all her A's. And in the second mar- marking period, she got. Uh, 3.95 uh, with like one A minus in the whole whole mess. Um, and then I look today, the the marking period closed out and it was 4.0 straight A's all the way. She is going to be very, very uh, excited about that. That's awesome. Um, and, and understand, folks, this is not like we're not pushing her. Um, we asked her what her goals were. And she she wants to be 4.0 like mommy, and uh, and says okay we'll we'll help encourage you that way and if that ceases to be your goal we'll 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 figure it out from there but uh, but it's been really uh, been really interesting to uh, to get the the debriefs every day after school about uh, what she's learning and what she's excited about and yeah so yeah and she's done that with uh, uh, a full. Uh, Slate, uh, all three marking periods so far, has had extracurriculars after school. There was water polo or swim team, and now the musical. And 
I'm just very, very impressed with her. Yeah. Uh, and on the other front with Braylee, um, this is this is one of those things creeping up on me is is her reading ability. Yeah. Um, like I think I, I think she kind of plays plays it low, like she doesn't really. I think I think she's messing with us a little bit. You think so? Um, because she came and she uh, she read a book to me one night, and I'm like, oh, that was really good. And she's like, yeah, I've read it before. So I'm like, oh, well, let's see what you do with something you haven't read before. So I grabbed. Uh, one of the books uh, I'm I'm currently reading, and I said, "Hey, can you just read this paragraph?" And she read the dang paragraph. Uh, it, just very impressive, yeah. very impressive. She's a smart kid. Um, but but she hides it well. <laughs> <laughs> She's upset that we don't have her report card yet. Yeah, she's yeah, got they don't have teacher that conference that, for that, in that, another uh, in another couple weeks, uh, and no, they don't have A's and B's. They have proficient and exceeds expectations yes. it's sort of like harry potter grading uh, <laughs> yes poor troll yeah <laughs> so uh congratulations to michaela on the straight a's and uh congratulations to braley i'm sure she's doing fine yeah uh so uh last sunday where were we, we what were we on last week um it was lent one lent two lent two. lent two it's not advent i know that was Lent. We were not excited about Jesus lamenting over oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jesus I lamenting over Jerusalem. <laughs> how, Which how, we survived. We did. How did that go for you? I thought it went pretty well. I got good feedback on it. Um, I talked a lot about Jerusalem itself and what Jerusalem was intended to be versus mm. what Jerusalem has become and talked about what the church is meant to be versus what the church is and, and is Jesus lamenting over us and what do we need to learn. Nice. Yes. How about you? Uh, so I'm still getting feedback. Uh, it, it's, it's weird having, uh, so, so at, at Trinity, I have staff mm-hmm. and some of that staff is uh, very much program staff. They're there on Sunday. They hear me preach. They know what's going on. Uh, and then we have other staff like our, our administrator, Betsy, she, she churches someplace else. Um, but she listens every week. She goes back and listens to the, the recorded, uh, service. So she knows so she's in the know with what's going on, and uh, and I got a very nice message from her today about after she finished uh, uh, the service uh, about about the sermon. Mine was very much uh, similar. I talked about uh, Jerusalem, uh, what it was like uh, the very first time you come through the tunnel on the bus yeah. and and just seeing that ancient city and it's amazing. Um, but then I talked about uh, how how difficult it can be to navigate the streets of of Jerusalem like uh, when we walked the the Via Dolorosa uh, how tough it was to keep a group of 56 of us together yeah. and all of that chaos uh, and uh, and not and not uh, find people getting distracted and like oh this is an interesting side alley I could walk down no you don't want to walk down that side of the alley let's let's keep moving um, and just just the idea that uh, um, we get distracted from what we're what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the church church gets caught up in other things, just like Jerusalem got caught up in other things. Uh, so, so yeah, fairly fairly similar, just more uh, uh, more of the the distraction aspect of it, I guess. Yeah. So, so this week we uh, we are not uh, on on the same scripture. Two roads diverge in a yellow yes. woods. Yes, so. Uh, I, I chose the book Wondrous Encounters. It's a Richard Rohr devotional for Lent. Um, just as a as a 
rough lattice work of uh, what scriptures and maybe some inspiration from it in titles. I haven't used any other titles yet, but um, and I'm not using it this week. But the the scripture they had for this week, uh, I very much liked more than the lectionary. Uh, so uh, uh, so I I am on uh, uh, John four, uh, the woman at the well. Okay. Uh, and we can we can talk about that later or not. It that that's fine. But uh, but your your scripture for this week, I feel is like levels of magnitude more difficult. I told people I was doing the lectionary before I read the lectionary all the way through Lent and realized this is not my favorite year to be on the lectionary yeah. for Lent. Um, but there you go. And that's part of part of the gift of the lectionary is that it forces you to go into scriptures that perhaps you would not choose for yourself and, and wrestle with what God is saying there. So I feel like I said I would do the lectionary. I have to do the lectionary. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm super I, excited. Honestly, if I had said I'm doing the lectionary and and this is what came up, I'd have been like, I'm, I'm switching things up. Yeah. Yeah. It, even it, like... Even though, like my my music staff would have hated me, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, we're going to be in uh, the primary uh, discussion for us today is going to be in Luke chapter thirteen, verses one uh, through nine. And uh, would you like to read that? Sure. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. There you go. What the heck, Jesus? So when I was... uh, When I was a teenager, I counseled at a Christian summer camp um, many, many, many years, many weeks, and there would be lessons that we would do with the elementary school kids that we were counseling. I was It was an elementary camp at this one I'm talking about, um, and I was probably 16, 17 at the time, so not the mature, theologically developed creature that I am right now. Uh, one of the weeks, one of the days for our our devotions with the kids was this scripture. Ooh. And there was no guidance. <laughs> there was Ooh. no, this is why we're talking about this scripture. It was, I remember we we actually joked about it, standing at, at the pulpit in the chapel going, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Because <laughs> we're like, we, what do we do with this? And we ended up, we did something else. Because it was just the first piece. It wasn't even oh, the piece did, about the fig tree. It which, was is still, just, which is still a what the heck Jesus passage. It was just, uh, do you think that they suffered because they were worse sinners? No, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And it was eight-year-olds, yeah, nine-year-olds that were trying to, to introduce to the gospel and the Bible. And this is not 
a scripture that I would have chosen no. as one of, I get five days with these kids. This is one of my top five. No, I'm still not sure. I have, I have a guess that it was intended to, to be sort of a, we're all sinners, we all need grace sort of thing. Like we all need to repent and turn yeah. back to Jesus. But there's so many better ways to do that than <laughs> let's talk about the blood that was mingled with the sacrifices, shall we? Yeah. Um, with elementary school kids. Yeah. This this is the thing with, with, uh, with that first half uh, where, where uh, they're talking about uh, the blood mingled with the sacrifices, and they're talking about the Tower of uh, Siloam and all that. Um, those are very, very marked and distinct pieces, um, either historically with the Tower of Siloam or uh, uh, religiously mm-hmm. with what does it mean that these Galileans' blood was mingled with their sacrifices. And that's a lot to unpack for eight-year-olds. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack for <laughs> yeah. adults. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I have a feeling you're right, that the intention, the reason it was there was was to try and get Repent. folks to... Well, I, I don't even know if it was the... Well, I wasn't there, and I wasn't the dean of that camp. Um, but very much what I take away uh, from that is is this idea that... Um, that we're we're all to to use the the language we're all sinners we're all we all have our mistakes our flaws our foibles those those areas in which we miss the mark uh and 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 in particular in this one just because of the way just because of the way you meet your demise Mm -hmm. does not mean you were better or worse and I and I think that's that that's maybe part of what Jesus is trying to deconstruct for people Mm -hmm. um is that uh, they would look at these Galileans whose blood was mingled with their sacrifices, nullifying and and, and uh, sullying that sacrifice, uh, and the the folks who who had the Tower of Siloam fall on them. People would look at that in in that time and say, "Well, if that happened to you, you must be a horrible person." Yeah. Uh, your sins are horrible, and we just don't know about them. But obviously, if that's how God chose for you to die, uh, you suck in a special way. Um, and and I think that's what Jesus is deconstructing for folks uh, in this point. And 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 yeah, repentance is important. Uh, it is is a is the 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 punchline, the punch note on on this. But um, but the main the main piece is. Uh, just just because tragedy happens doesn't mean you're that much worse of a sinner. I think it's not just limited to Jesus' time. I always think of um, when the, the tragedies struck Haiti, which they oh, do right. every yep. few years. And people say, oh, well, apparently it's because their ancestors' ancestors made this deal with the devil. And so they deserve all the bad things that are happening to them. Or when Katrina hit and and people said, oh, well, that's because there's this big festival of sin for Mardi Gras every year. And so clearly these people are horrible, sinful people, and God is sending judgment upon them. Um, we still use that framework today. We still use that language. Oh, and you yeah. see that idea pop up when something terrible happens. 
you must have brought it upon yourself. It must be somehow God is punishing you for some sin. And I think we do that for a couple of reasons. We do that on the one hand because no one ever taught us how to think critically about why bad things happen. Uh, but I think we also do that to give ourselves a sense of control, right? If if horrible things happen to bad people, I know I'm not the worst person, right? There are yeah. people who are worse than me, and so I will be protected. I will be safe from these bad things that happen. Yeah. It gives us this illusion of, of control and security. I don't, I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than you. Yes, I don't <laughs> have to be perfect. I just have to be better than, than the pe- other people and the tower will fall on them and not on me. Right. I think I think the other, and you're, you're right, that carries through today. The other piece that carries through then um, is, 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 is the converse side, right? Of if you have wealth, uh, you are obviously a good person. Yeah. And we see that today. We see that uh, very much in, in the U.S. today, where uh, when we talk about uh, uh, wanting uh, to to raise taxes on the ultra-wealthy, um, the, it, is, it is by and large uh, the working class who are not the, the ultra-wealthy, who are like, no, 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 we don't want to do that because... We, we have it in our heads that if we're good enough people, um, we'll have that too, and we don't want to be taxed that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we, we have this this idea that that if you have uh, power or wealth or, or any of those things that the that um, our, our culture and society deem as uh, valuable, uh, as something that we want to attain... Uh, if you have that, then obviously you are blessed by God. And if you don't have that, well, you're junk. Yeah. Um, and and that that is a very much uh, what I what I feel like uh, Jesus is is hitting at. Yeah. Uh, in in this particular instance. Well, it's it's interesting to remember we're in the Gospel of Luke which is a gospel which is very intentional about including the outsiders. We have the voices of women. We have foreigners coming to Jesus. We have the, the, the poor, the lepers, those who are being lifted up in this gospel. Um, not that you don't see them in the other gospels. But there's this intentional lens that, that Luke tells the story through. Um, and I think part of that piece is deconstructing this idea that the rich and the powerful are closer to God. Yeah, it's very much flipping that upside yeah. down from the very beginning. Because this wasn't just a Jewish belief or Correct. idea. This was this was rampant in the ancient world, just like it's rampant now. Yeah. Um, because because what we're talking about about uh, uh, you know people people who are rich or people who are poor being either good or bad um, that that transcends religion, like. Re- Religion can be some of the worst uh, offenders uh, in in uh, of of that kind of idea, um, but there are folks who who aren't attached uh, to any kind of a religious belief that would would look at that and say, "Well, this person's obviously better than that one because they have more." Well, there's a reason one of those fundamental questions that everyone across the board wrestles with is, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Um, because we have this innate sense, for whatever reason, that bad things shouldn't happen. Bad to good things people. shouldn't happen to good people. Yes, and sooner or later we come up against something that challenges that belief. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to do here today: is to challenge 
that belief in these folks who, who for whatever reason, I don't know why they brought this news to Jesus. Um, was it just the gossip of the day? Was it just, were they, they gloating in, in what had happened? Were they bringing it to him as bad news? I don't, and we don't really get a sense of, of what, what the goal was in sharing this with Jesus, but we, we do get this sense from Jesus. Okay. It's not about who's better, who's worse. It's about things happen and taking these tragic events when they do happen as a reminder that none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. And so Mm -hmm. we need to look at how we're living. We need to consider, is there something we need to repent of? Do we need to turn around and go in a different direction? Sort of have that, for lack of a better phrase, come to Jesus moment (laughs) that that those tragedies uh, inspire in us. So I, 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 you know, when I, when I think about maybe why, why, why did they bring this to Jesus? Um, I, I, I put on, I put on my, my pastoral hat and, okay. and I think about the times, uh, just in the last couple of weeks since, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine that, uh, I, I get people who are asking me, well, what's going on here? What what is what does this mean? And there there are folks who you know wars and rumors of wars and have that that particular background that has them always uh, maybe looking for signs of the end times kind of deal um, or or those those just those various pieces of, of theology, good, bad, or otherwise that uh, that cause them to uh, to ask that question. But there are folks too that just look and say, "This is what's happening in the world." How how do we interpret that theologically? How do we interpret that through the lens of grace and faith and mercy and and all of those things? Uh, and that may be what's happening here. Yeah. At that very time, there were some present who said to Jesus, hey, these Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices, what up? Yeah. Um, and Jesus took the opportunity uh, to to talk about uh, this, this leveling uh, idea. So here is here is my big question, though, Uh-oh. and this is the one you're going to have to struggle with, and, and maybe you already have the answer. Um, the lectionary does not stop at verse five. It does it not. It goes on to verse What's nine. What's up with it, that? It tags on these three verses, uh, well, four verses, um, uh, that uh, that tell this weird fig tree parable. Yeah. Um. What do you what do you what do you make of that, and why do you think uh, the lectionary might have connected that? Is it just like they wanted a bigger pericope? You think, or uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they just wanted a longer pericope. No, right. that's one of the things that I am wrestling with because if just half of this pericope were here, either half, I think that would take me in a very different direction. But yeah. having these two coupled together. Um, I'm wondering about the the theme of repentance um, that that very often, right? Jesus is speaking in a parable. So there's lots of ways you can interpret this. One of the ways you can interpret this is uh, the community of faith is the fig tree. The community of faith that should be bearing fruit and is not. And part of the reason Jesus has come, part of what Jesus does is call the community of faith back to who they are supposed to be and what they are supposed to be doing. And they're offered this opportunity for repentance, um, this, this, this reprieve, leave it alone for one more year, I'll dig around it, I'll put manure on it, I'll trim back the branches, I will do everything that I possibly can 
to give this tree one more chance to bear fruit. So, and I'm, so, sounds sounds like the paragraph two thirteen process in the United Methodist Church a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, this is this is a yeah. process that we we don't go through enough in our churches. To be honest, right. is thinking about are we bearing fruit? Are there parts of our of our ministries that look good that are big, green, leafy, beautiful, but not bearing any fruit? And do we need to? trim those back to trim those away so that we can actually be bearing fruit in other areas where it matters more. So I'm thinking about this this idea of, of having one more year, um, one more year under the best circumstances to, to do the work that needs to be done and and judgment being uh, being held off for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, the folks uh, the folks, the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with the sacrifices, the 18 who were killed when the tower fell, they don't have more time, but you do. Yeah. And what are you going to do with it? Are you going to bear fruit? Are you going to make the hard decisions? Are you going to let your life be pruned and be covered in manure? Yeah, it, or are you are you going to keep going the way you're going? Yeah, and there's this, there's this piece to it, too, that... Um, you can't you can't just sit still. Mm-hmm. So so the first the first half of this pericope, uh, people are thinking our lot in life, our fate, where we are, rich, poor, whatever, uh, is is directly affected by our blessing from God, which is directly affected by the amount of sin in our life, and we really can't change that. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we then come into this place where. Uh, this this fig tree apparently has not been touched in three years, yeah. uh, and and the the person who has the vineyard says, "Hey, three years, I haven't gotten a single fig off of it. Get it out of here." And the gardener who cares for it says, "Well, you know, we really haven't done anything with it for three years. We haven't touched it. We haven't pruned it. We haven't fertilized it. We haven't done any of that. What what difference would it make if we if we took some time nurturing it? Give me a year." Yeah. Uh, let's give it a year. Um, there's, there's this, this, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, the ground is is level. It's not about uh, the circumstances of your birth, um, but it's about the work you put into it. Um, some, and there's, I mean, there's a, there's a big luck factor there too for a lot yeah. of folks. But, um, but. But there is this if we if we take the time to nurture it. So if we look at the fig tree as the community of faith, um, and and uh, you know the usually the owner of the vineyard is God, and in this case the gardeners, maybe Jesus looking to extend some grace and mercy, uh, and it, and it falls apart. I know, but uh, it's uh, it's this. Hey, let's let's. What happens if we take the time to to nurture it, and and we can do that. Uh, looking at, at ministries within the church. Yeah. Um, what is something we're doing that isn't really bearing fruit? And is it, is it not bearing fruit because uh, it, it just doesn't work, it's, it's a dead thing? Or is it not bearing fruit because we haven't tended to it well? We haven't given it the proper resources. Um, and, and figuring those things out. And it's not, and this is the other thing, is we get, we get upset and we think it's a horrible thing when when you do come to the conclusion that you have to you have to cut down the tree um i i tons of meetings uh that i've been into um 
uh, the own, my own paragraph 213 we do with St. Matthews uh, back in Ypsilanti. Uh, and paragraph 213, folks, is just it's a reference to a, a section of the Book of Discipline that talks about um, a, a, a lot of things, but in particular, figuring out when it's time to close a church. What are the resources, what are the resources? this church has for ministry? Yes. What is the potential that's here? Yeah. Is it still bearing fruit or sure. is it time to, to let it go? Yes. It's it's a process for discerning that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've been in those conversations and I'm, I'm uh, uh, trained to lead those conversations now, which, which is always fun. Uh, but it is it's an important conversation to have and you're right churches don't don't do it enough to look and say uh, what is working what isn't and is this still feasible and we think uh, one of the things we talk about in that 213 process is the life cycle of the church and it is a cycle um, just like with life we are we are born we live we thrive and eventually we die um, our, our individual congregations sometimes get to that point. Some have longer spans than others. Um, but eventually at some point, um, the, the, the resources just aren't going to be there. Um, and, and that's a time not necessarily to, I mean, there can be grief there, but that's also a time to, to celebrate all the great work that's been done. Uh, and for the members of that community of faith to say, what's next? Um, where, where do we land? I know, uh, there is a church nearby that, uh, that had to close a Methodist church that had to close within the last six months or so. Uh, and, and a lot of, uh, other, uh, United Methodist churches in the area have been seeing steady streams of groups of people, you know, friends from that congregation checking out and looking for where uh, they're going to land, where they're going to be a part, uh, where they can they can grow and hopefully bear fruit. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's a lot to unpack. It is a lot I, to unpack. I am not envious of you this week. Oh, you're so jealous. You wish that you had stuck no. with the lectionary. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm. I mean, it's. It's good, and we could do it. And I would prob what I would end up doing is breaking it down to one or the other. Um, it's a lot to try and do both. Yeah, uh, I I think they connect. I I think I I don't think the lectionary uh, folks who put that together were like, oh, this would just be fun to mess with pastors. Um, maybe, but maybe, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Was but, late uh, at night. <laughs> they were tired. <laughs> they had had a couple cocktails. And like, hey, let's mess with future pastors. Um, no, it. I, I think there's I think there's connection there. I just think that this is as far as trying to preach the entirety of this of this passage, uh, those nine verses, uh, it would would be a Herculean effort and would be minimum forty minute sermon. I think so. Yeah, oh. I mean you'll 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 do it and you'll do it perfectly <laughs> fine because that's you, but um, I think if I think if you're trying to connect all the dots that are there all of all of the pieces that i think uh uh luke uh put together putting these these things together um they they connect certain dots and i think if we tried to connect all of those dots you would end up with a 40 minute sermon at least yeah 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 
So where are you going this week? Ooh, well, uh, I am in John 4, uh, talking about the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, like 38 verses. Okay. Um, yeah. Talk about 40-minute sermons. Yeah, well, so, yeah. I Early on this week, uh, we're at Wednesday right now. So early on this week, I'm looking at it maybe Sunday night, Monday morning. And I'm like, I... I am going to have to stand up there for like six minutes and read this <laughs> dang scripture. Just reading the scripture. And I didn't want to do that. Um, so so I uh, uh, I conscripted some folks and uh, uh, using some uh, movie magic with my uh, green screen uh, have uh, recorded this morning some, some dramatized uh, t- reading of that scripture, which will be more fun to watch. Nice. Um, It'd be more fun to engage with, uh, and and probably stick with people more. So, so that's uh, that's gonna be the reading of that scripture. But for for me, as I'm as I'm breaking down uh, the woman at the well in my head, there are there are a couple pieces that stick out. Um, there's a lot there, um, but there are a couple pieces that stick out. Uh, first is Jesus offers or talks about this living water that wells up from within you and you'll never thirst again. And the woman is like, oh, give me this water. I want that water. Give it to me now. Uh, And Jesus' response to that is, well, go get your husband and bring him back here. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you speak truly because you've had five. And the person you're living with now is not your husband. Um, And and she says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Mm. So the first thing that sticks out to me is is her question after she perceives that Jesus is a prophet. Her question isn't why are we all here? It isn't you know it isn't those those typical things like we might think about if we had if we had one chance, if we had one question to ask God and we get an answer, what would it be? Her question is not about her life, it's not about her salvation. It is about uh where the right place to worship is mm. because for the Samaritans, uh, it was a different mountain. Um, they're tangentially Hebrew, uh, even though the, the, the Hebrews don't consider them uh, part of it. And, and so they believe this mountain and the Jews say it has to be Jerusalem. Um, and she's asking this question. Uh, and I, I find it just utterly fascinating. This woman who is an outcast among an outcast people, because um, she's getting water at noonday and alone and all of that stuff. Um, she's, she's doing this on her own. Uh, this outcast among outcasts asks a question that has the potential. The answer has the potential to make all of the outcasts, all of the Samaritans, uh, feel better mm. about themselves about who they are and Jesus answer I think does that because Jesus comes back and says listen there's coming a time we're not going to worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem there is going to come a time when the true worshipers of God worship God in spirit and in truth uh, and just blows her mind and she she runs off and and gets people to come back and this person who told me everything I ne- ever did and like that's not everything you ever did, but okay. Um, you know that that whole piece. Um, and so, uh, my question that I'm that I'm coming at this, at least right now, the angle I'm coming at this, is is asking the question: 
when Jesus offered this living water uh, that never runs out, what was it she was thirsting for? Mm-hmm. Yes, water, obviously, like literal water. But when she gets the prophetic part, what is she thirsting for? She's thirsting for acceptance. She's thirsting for not being outcast anymore. She's thirsting for for things beyond mm-hmm. uh, just literal water. Um, and and so so yeah, that's that's kind of uh, and then asking the question, what are we thirsting for? Yeah. What are we thirsting for? What are we thirsting after? If we had that one chance to ask that one question, what's it going to be? Um, and f- for me, I come back to that, like right now in the midst of where we are in the United Methodist Church, in the midst of where we are in the world, my, my absolute question would, would be something to, uh, to, to bring us to, uh, the understanding the, the, the strength and the beauty that we have in diversity, uh, and not just diversity of ethnicity or race, but, but the diversity we have in, in so many other uh, avenues of, of, of life, whether we're talking about uh, human sexuality, whether we're talking about uh, even, even, even different, more liberal, more conservative veins of theology. There, while I may not uh, agree with, with a lot of conclusions that, that some of my uh, conservative colleagues come to in their theology, that doesn't mean uh, that I can't recognize... Um, the 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 beauty that may be there, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not right where I would go, um, there's still uh, there's still so much beauty in that diversity um, that that I think uh, should be our focus. So yeah, so if I'm coming to ask that one question, it's uh, it's going to have to be something that uh, Jesus tell me who's in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me who's in, and please tell me it's everybody. You know that 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 kind of that kind of piece. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where my where my head's at right now, at least on Wednesday when we're recording this. That's interesting because I think that was her question. Tell me who's in. Yeah. Maybe not tell me it's everybody. Yeah. But tell me who's in because right. I want to be on the right side of the line. Yeah, you're right. That is. And that what is Jesus exactly says is, pretty soon there won't be a line. Yes. Yeah. Well, there we go. So I am just like the woman at the well then. You just exactly. It's it's uncanny, it's uncanny. <laughs> how much you are like the woman at the well. Oh yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this week. Yeah. Um, I say that now, but when I actually sit down to write the thing, I won't be because I'll probably have a block. I had a block last week. You, oh, you had you, an awful block it was last horrible. week. Horrible. Well, it didn't help uh, that uh, that that was also the week where I nearly. Uh, well, I, I not nearly. I cut off part of the tip of my thumb with a mandolin slicer. Yeah, and uh, way it, to go. Yeah, my right thumb, which is my space bar thumb, uh, when I'm typing, and it wouldn't stop bleeding, and so we had to go to the urgent care and get it cauterized and all that stuff. And it just it hurts. It still hurts. I I got to be careful just how hard I uh, how much pressure I put on it. But um, but man, typing last week was excruciating. It it very much had me thinking, man. I wish I had just stuck with uh, uh, learning how to uh, really master the dictation typing kind of kind of apps, yeah, so that I could just speak it uh, and and have it without 
haven't hit the space bar so much, but oh well. Oh well. I, I can through. I can hit the space bar this week. We'll be we'll be okay because of that. <laughs> it's a high bar yeah. for uh, for having a good week. Oh yeah. So anyway, um, that's that, that's where we look like we're going. Yeah. Uh, I'm I am I am very impressed that that you stuck with that. I honestly I would have bailed. I would have bailed on that lectionary. Um, we'll remember that when I have block and I'm very upset. And yes. Bashing my head against yes. the walls. Now I would have. Uh, yeah, I'd have bailed. I'd have bailed, or I'd, I'd have just done one. As it is, uh, with the woman at the well, I cut out a chunk. Um, the the chunk where she goes and talks to people, and Jesus is doing the whole. Behold, the fields are white unto harvest, and yeah, yeah. laborers are few, and all that. Um, doesn't fundamentally change the story, but just yeah. Anywho, folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us again on uh, on this uh, edition episode uh, thing of the Revcast. Uh, you forgot already? No, I didn't. I did that on purpose. Uh, please, uh, you know, let us know uh, what you think. Hit us up on the socials. All that fun stuff. Uh, and until next time, I'm Pastor Mike. I'm still Pastor Bree. <laughs> and we'll catch you next time. Remember, friends, God loves you. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Peace. <laughs>